Welcome everybody um, here today. If you're with us for the first time, it's great to have you with us and, and um, we, we really want to see you again. And so hope if you have any questions about our church or whatever, you can fill out one of those connect cards and throw it in the box at the back and, and um, we'll get, get in contact with you. But um, we've been in a series on prayer. We started last week and, and last week we looked at, at prayer as um, relating, responding, and requesting with God. So prayer is how we, we relate to God, we respond to God, and re- we request from God. And, and then, um, <clears throat> so if we look at those things, you know, why? why? Why do we do that? What are the underlying reasons for that? What, what, what is the purpose of that? Or why do we pray? Or what does it accomplish in us and in those around us? Because sometimes we think about prayer and go, you know, it's, it just seems like... Um, Maybe they're just words going up, but but I don't know. Am I being heard? Is it is it making a difference? Does it make a change? And I want to say yes, it does absolutely. And as we look at, at uh, we're going to look at several different scriptures today that deal with prayer. But um, the first the first thing to say is that prayer is a necessary component of a healthy Christian life. You can't have a healthy Christian life without prayer. I mean, it's it just it's got to be there. It, it has to be there for it to be strong. Jesus assumes that those who follow him will pray. It's just an assumption that, that he has. If you go into Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, Jesus says, and when you pray. He says, and when you pray. Not if you pray or if you want to pray, but he says, and when you do this. I mean, this is just a natural part of the ebb and flow of the Christian walk as he speaks to his disciples. He just says, you know, this is a constant bottom line thing that happens when you pray. It'd be like saying, you know, and when you breathe. Come in and out. Um, so, so he's saying, and when you pray, he says, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. So if, you know, if your prayer is for show, he said, it's worthless. It, it, you get what you get in the moment, and that's it. And he goes, he says, truly, I say to you, they've received the reward. But when you pray, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In other words, he's saying this is a, this is a time that's, that's uh, very close with you and your Father. And it's something between you and Him. And, and so you go and know that, that He will see and hear what, what you say. He says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for, but your for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And he says, so, so he comes in, he says, you know, he said, you, you, don't have to have, you don't have to be wordy. It's not about the length of time. It's about just putting your heart out there, pouring your heart out before God and, and letting him hear it because God already knows. He knows everything about us. He's just inviting us in to his presence, into um, conversation with him. He says, pray then like this. And then you, you've heard this before. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever so Jesus kind of covers the whole spectrum of life in this prayer and we're not going to blow that thing out this morning but but just coming into it um, understanding that Jesus assumes that we'll pray or in Matthew um, in Luke eleven two, he says and he said to them Jesus said to them when you pray when you pray. Um, so it's for Jesus, prayer is this given. It's this thing that's going to take place in our lives as, as Christ followers. It's just something that's going to naturally flow out. And so 
since prayer is a conversation with God or it's relating to God, it's, it's pretty easy to see the importance of it. I mean, when we think about conversation, for instance, if I had a friend come up to me and say, you know, my wife hasn't talked to me in three days. I say, well, you know, you better find out what you did or what you did not do. Because otherwise, you're in deep weeds, man. It's only going to get worse. It is not going to get better. And, and we understand that, right? I mean, when you look at that conversation, you go, you know what? When there's no conversation happening, things aren't good. Things aren't right. Things aren't healthy. Things aren't vibrant. Things aren't growing. We're not growing in a relationship. Instead, it's stagnant. We're going backwards. So it's pretty easy to see that since prayer is a conversation with God, it's necessary for us to have a healthy relationship, and it's his, prayer is going to characterize it. So we come in and, and, and we look and, and talk about these relationships. We understand that prayer is us conversing with God. So if, if we have someone in our life that we don't really talk to, it's really just an indicator that our relationship isn't strong. Or, or that it's an indifferent relationship. It doesn't really make any difference to us. It doesn't really matter. We're not moved in one way or another. Another way of putting it is, if, if we don't pray, we undermine our relationship with God. So if we want to build our relationship with God, we spend time in prayer. We spend time talking to Him about the things that matter to us, and that moves us closer to Him, and it puts us in a position... Of, of reliance upon him. You see, when we don't pray, we're, we're relying on our own resources and abilities rather than our fathers. When, when we don't pray, we're relying on what we have and what we're able to do. Paul Miller wrote a book called um, A Praying Life, and in it he said, if you are not praying, then you're quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. You'll always be a little too tired, a little too busy, but if, like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you'll find time to pray. So, as you come in, I think that's a very accurate statement. And I think biblically, it's very accurate as we look when Jesus said, you know, I'm assuming that you pray, and, and this is how I want you to pray. You see, there's never been any more, there's never been a person with more on their plate than Jesus. Jesus had more on his plate than any of us ever will. He had more on his plate 2,000 years ago. I think, man, 2,000 years ago, you know, the world was a lot slower. They didn't have electricity. Um, on and on and on, they didn't have, you know, he was busy. This was a guy, if you read the Gospel of Mark, I mean, the, the catch word in the Gospel of Mark is and immediately. And immediately. Every paragraph almost begins with this phrase, and immediately Jesus did this, and immediately Jesus did this, and immediately Jesus did this. He was a happening guy. He was a guy who was constantly on the move. He was a, he was a person who constantly had people wanting from him. He goes out in the crowds, the people throng around him. They, they come to him. They bring the children to him. They bring everybody to him. And, and he is constantly being asked for things. He is constantly being put in the position of pouring out. So if, if you look, he was a very, very busy person. And if you look at the Gospels, you're going to see that he was committed to prayer. His life was, was something that was very much characterized by it. And it's a vital for a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus understood that. He knew if he was going to have a healthy relationship with God the Father, that he had to spend time in conversation with him. He had to speak to God. So he, he prayed frequently. And so as we come in and look at it, how do we 
come before God and, and spend time? And, and are we drawn to him? Or are you drawn to, to spend time in prayer? As you think about prayer, do you see prayer as something that um, is, is vital to your Christian walk? I mean, do you see it as, as important, basically as, as it's as important to our Christian life as breathing is to our physical life. Do you understand it in those terms? And, and knowing that for Jesus, prayer was a very real thing. We see in his life that he would get up oftentimes early in the morning to pray when he had things going on, or he would stay late into the night, or he would go spend um, extended periods of time in prayer because he was a person who understood and knew the need for that. So he's the model for us in that when we come in, in that regard to know that we need to spend time praying. So prayer, <clears throat> first of all, it's, it's just necessary for a healthy relationship with God. We have to have it. The second thing is that prayer reveals our hearts to us. Prayer reveals our heart to us. As we come to God in prayer, he begins to open our lives up to us and, and help us to see the way that he sees. When we say silent and separate from the word of God, we miss out on seeing our hearts the way that God sees them. And, and so as we come before him, he makes this, um, he makes it um, visible to us. Uh, Tim Keller, he put it this way. He said, prayer is not simply the solitary exploration of your own subjectivity. You're with another and he is unique. God is the only person from whom you can hide nothing. Before him, you will unavoidably come to see yourself in a new, unique light. Prayer, therefore, leads to a self-knowledge that is impossible to achieve any other way. He's just saying, look, when you come before God in prayer, he helps you to see things that you don't see. He helps you to understand that. It's not just a, a, few, a few moments of quiet and, and collecting your thoughts. It's a moment of engaging with God. Another way of putting it would be in Hebrews 4.12. We often look at this in the context of, of the Word of God. But in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow, and is able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So it goes on and says, you know what? Not only is this word of God able to slice down to the quick and get to the very heart of the matter in our lives, it says at that we are exposed before God. When we come before God, He exposes us. And, and um, we look at that and go, oh man, I just don't, we're not comfortable in that position. I mean, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve, when their sin was, was there and it was out there, they clothed themselves. They wanted to cover themselves up. They wanted to hide. And what God says, no, you, you need to be open to me. You need to allow me to come and, and expose the things in your life. Expose your, expose your brokenness. Expose your sin. Expose the things within you. And then as you do that, I will in turn come in and bring life to you. Or as we sang earlier at the cross, you, you beckon me, draw me gently to my knees. <clears throat> um, lost in love, lost in Words, I'm sweetly broken. So I'm sweetly broken. And, and as you think about that, and we think, you know, I, I thought about that, you know, being sweetly broken, because really prayer is it's about that. It's about God breaking us sweetly, gently, drawing us into his presence, loving us, helping us to, to know, just like our child, that even though they have done something that we disapprove of, 
We still love them. We may not approve of of what has happened, but we still love them. We still unconditionally accept them. You see, that's what Jesus does in our lives. That's what God does in our lives. When we come before Him, He breaks us in a sweet, loving, gentle manner. And that is much better than being maliciously crushed. And that is what our enemy does. He maliciously crushes us. When we don't come into the presence of our Father, when we don't allow Him to come and reveal our hearts to us, instead our hearts just fall deeper and deeper and deeper into the abyss. And here's what He does. He said, Jesus said, the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to maliciously break us and destroy us. To pull us out and tell you that you know what? I know what your sin is and I know what's going down in there and I know what your heart is and you know what? You can't let anybody know about this because you know what? They'll never have anything to do with you. You're worthless. You have no future. You have no hope. That, that's being maliciously broke. That's what the thief comes to do. That's, that's his game. Steal, kill, destroy. Those are lies from the pit of hell. They lead people down a path that's so dark and so destructive that that we don't even want to think about it. And here's what Jesus does. He sweetly breaks us. He sweetly comes in and says, you know what? There's some things that we need to talk about. There's some things in your heart that I need to change. There's some things in here that I want to write. Your ship is on a path that's not headed to smooth seas. Let me come in and walk with you. Let me do what only I can do. Let me reveal your heart to you. That's what prayer does within us as as we come. It reveals the cracks in our character. Uh, It reveals our true needs. It comes in and generally exposes our hearts for us to clearly evaluate. See, that's what God wants to do in our lives. So as we come in and look, you know, are we opening up ourselves to God? Are we coming and and allowing him to draw us closer and closer and closer into him? Are we hiding from him and allowing the things in our lives that destroy us to gain a foothold and just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in? Prayer is an amazing thing. And, and it'll do things in our lives that, that, um, that are beyond words. Beyond words. The next thing is that prayer builds our faith. Prayer builds our faith. Whenever we call on God, we're acting in faith. When, when we pray to God, when we ask God, we're asking Trusting that He hears us. Trusting that He responds to us. Trusting that He desires for us to come into His presence. We're trusting Him to be true to His character. To, to, to love us and, and accept us. And, and we're urged to pray in faith. We're urged to pray in this manner that, that builds us up. In James 1, 6-8, James says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose.
suppose that you will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James just says, well, look, when we come to God, we come to God in faith. We trust him, and, and we trust his character. We trust his love. We trust his person. We trust that he will gently move in our lives and draw us closer to him. Or as in Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. And he goes on verse 2, for by it the men of old gained approval. And he said, look, it, it was people in all circumstances of life, on the hilltops and in the valleys, that cried out to God and they trusted him. And they're the heroes of the faith. Some of them never saw what they were praying to receive and others saw it. But, um, but they all were looking from afar as they were sojourners in a land that they knew wasn't their home. And, and you see, prayer is trusting God in every area of life, knowing that he's faithful, knowing that the things that we put the things in front of him that matter the most. For instance, um, Regina was talking to me before church this morning, and, and she was sharing. She said, you know, we have a student in our school. And the student in, in our school, he had gone to the principal. He, he had some uh, behavior problems. You know, he got to make that, that long, slow walk down the hall. And, and so, you know, you make that long, slow journey. And some of them are afraid, and some of them care less, I guess. You know? And, and those are the ones that you're worried about. And, and so um, in there in the office, one of the, one of the ladies said, look, you're a child of God. And he said, I'm not a child of God. I'm a child of the devil. Then you know, third grader, you think, well, and, she's, and he, she said, no, you're a child of God. And, and Regina said, and what he said next was like, oh, said, by whose authority do you say this? By whose authority do you say this? He said, I'm a child of the devil. And <clears throat> so they came in and said, you know what, we have to pray for this child. And so they did. They, they prayed. They, their whole staff got together. They would pray, and, and they would pray you know, fervently that, that Christ would be made known to this child. Because, I mean, honestly, that, at grade three, that's a bad place to be. I mean, it's a bad place to be anywhere in life. But, uh, but anyway, they said, you know, they prayed and prayed and, and said um, <clears throat> the, the other day when they were right as they finished praying, here comes this boy in again. And the first thought was, well, what's happened that he's in the office? And the next thing was, his teacher said, he wants to show you something. He said, today, I became a follower of Jesus. And why? Because you had a staff of people praying for a child. You had a teacher praying for a child. You had a teacher who was teaching a Bible story and in, in the story. Um, he was confronted. He was confronted by his brokenness. And rather than be confronted in a way that says, you're no good, you'll never be good enough. Instead, it was a, I love you. I've come for you. I desire you to know me. You're my child. You see, prayer builds our faith and when we take the things that matter the most and, and we place them before God, he, he moves in our lives. In Second Chronicles 20, verse 12, Jehoshaphat, he said, 
O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now, I look at that Jehoshaphat, and it's kind of a crazy story. Jehoshaphat, he was a a good king. He was a, a man who followed God. He had a heart for God. His father, Asa, was a man who followed God, had a heart for God. Neither one of them were perfect. They're just like us. But, but ultimately, down at the bottom line, they had a heart to follow God, and they wanted to please God. And so Jehoshaphat, he is surrounded by the Amorites, the Moabites, and the Munites. And maybe I got one of my rights wrong, but these are not good people. And as he looked, he said, we're surrounded by a great horde. He's looking around and saying, you know what? I can't even count the chariots. I can't count the horses. I can't count the swordsmen. I can't count the archers. I can't count the javelin throwers. I can't count the hurlers. I can't count the people that are coming against us. And we're toast. I know it and you know it. Our eyes are on you. Do what you do. And it said that God delivered them. God delivered them. It, it, was, it was this thing. And after Jehoshaphat prayed this prayer, not only did they pray the prayer, they pray the prayer and then they worship. They pray the prayer. They're surrounded by the hordes and they pray in, in their seeming desperation. And then before even God even acts, they're worshiping God knowing that He will because their faith has been built by watching their God do this. God has done this. Uh, Jehoshaphat's watched it. He watched it with his daddy. He's watched it in his own life. He's watched it in the lives around him. And his faith has been built and he trusted God. And so it's this amazing act of faith that was built on history of seeing God work. So as, as we come in and, and we begin to look at that, we need to understand that praying builds our faith. It will build up our faith. And then the next thing is that prayer strengthens our relationship with God. Not only does prayer build up our faith, reveal our hearts, it also strengthens our relationship with God. You see, it helps us to know Him more. As we trust Him and we experience His answers to prayer, um, we praise Him and we get to know Him more. We have a greater understanding of His love for us. As I see God work in my life, I begin to get a greater understanding as I walk through different circumstances, as I go on different journeys in life, uh, through the hills, the valleys, everything in between. I see that God has been with me and I begin to understand that and know that and it gives me a stronger relationship with him. So that's how it all went down with Jehoshaphat. That's, that's what we were talking about in that last point. And listen to a small sample of David's prayers. As you look at the life of King David, um, King David, when he was a young man, before he'd become king, he was um, in the court of Saul. He served Saul. He served Saul faithfully. Um, Saul's son, Jonathan, loved him as a brother. They were just like this. And, and David was a, a man of integrity. He was a man who was fiercely loyal. He was a man who did everything that could ever be asked. Yet, Saul wanted to kill him. He was jealous. David was a better man than him. David was faithful to God. And, and Saul did everything he could until eventually David had to run. And he ran from Saul because he knew that he would kill him. And, and in, it, while he ran, he hid in caves and, and out in the wilderness. And it, it was a miserable time. And, and, you know, you look at it and you go, God, why me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? 
And, and here's his response in Psalm 28, 6 and 7. He says, Bless me, the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. And I am helped, my heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. Or in Psalm 18, 16 through 19, he says, He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. You see, David, as, as he came in, his relationship with God was continually strengthened as he prayed and as he trusted God and as he walked with God and grew in this relationship with him. And one of the quickest ways to build a strong relationship with someone is, is to go through a difficult time with them. When somebody's going through a difficult journey in life and, and you come along beside them and you encourage them, you, you just, you, you're there for them. It, it builds a relationship quicker than anything else, and that's what prayer is like. Prayer is that type of thing that it builds our relationship with God. We pray and we watch for Him to work. We pray and we come in and we allow Him to move in our lives, and the more we experience it, the more we love Him. The more we experience God's answers to prayer in life, the stronger our understanding of Him and, and His love for us becomes. And so it's, it's this opportunity for us to build our faith, to build our faith as we trust God in prayer and allow Him to do what only He can do. We strengthen that. And then the final thing is that prayer is the privilege of participating in what God is doing. We have an opportunity to participate in what God's doing. You know, God's doing stuff all around us today. He's doing stuff in the lives of people in our community around us today. He's doing things that we don't even know. And he invites us to pray. We can pray for God's work in the hearts of those around us. We can pray for God's work in the hearts of people around the world, globally. Um, you see, God is working, and God desires for all people to know him. Our tendency is, and I think especially in our culture today, is that everything is wrong, everything's messed up, and if we don't change it from whatever position it is that you think it should be changed, that, that it's doom and gloom. And, and that's, not, that's not biblical. You see, the truth is, is God is doing something, and he invites us into that. The circumstances around us, they're on the periphery. What the reality is, is what God is doing in people's hearts and how he's using all the circumstances around us to make himself known. In 2 Peter 3.9, Peter wrote, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. In, in 2 Peter, Peter's talking to people who are saying, Look, when's God going to do something? We're being crushed. I mean, how, things can't get any worse than this. When's God going to step in? How can he let these things happen? How can we look at the atrocities in our, in our world and, and think, you know, when is God going to put an end to it? And, and what, what Peter said was, he said, you know what? God sees things in a little different vein. And his desire is for people to know him. It's not to crush them. It's to draw them to himself. You see, God wants to not only draw people to himself, but he invites us to be a part of the process. He asks us to be a part of the process. He has planned that we will be a part of that process. In Matthew 9, 37 and 38, 
Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, I've heard this used in all kinds of ways. But probably the most common one is, we got slots that need to be filled. Let's pray to get the slots filled. (laughs) Wrong answer. God could care less about the slots. I'm just telling you. The slot, I'm not saying the slots aren't important or, you know, all the organizational, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm not, don't go, oh, the preacher just, you know, he's gone off the deep end. No, it's not that. I understand the need for organization and everything else. You got to have it. But the overarching issue is the harvest. The harvest is the heart of God. And then we take care of the harvest, we disciple the harvest, we care for the harvest, we nurture the harvest. But what he's saying is, he said, if you look around you, I'm working in the lives of people all around you. And, and they're asking questions. And if, if you'll just listen and engage, I'll do things that are beyond your imagination. And he says it's ripe. You, you, know, you know the difference between ripe and unripe? If you grew up in Alaska, you don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe a raspberry is the best thing I could get. You know, a raspberry that when you go to pick it, it falls off in, in, in your hand. It's really sweet. If you have to work to get it off without the core coming out, it's just not quite ready. You know, it's, it's like this pucker up kind of thing. It's like peaches. Where I'm from, we had peaches. You know, they sell things in the store that look like peaches here, but they're more kind of like a baseball. You know, it's painted to look like a peach. Maybe put some fuzz on it. But you get a real peach. And every now and then I'll get a real peach, but you get a real peach. And you go bite it. You know what it does? If you're not, if you're not used to it, you stand upright. If you know what you're about to do, you lean over. Because a real peach just goes... And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing. It's like this explosion of delight in your mouth. Because it's ripe and it's ready. You don't have to yank it to get it off the tree. I mean, it's just there and ready to go. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, this is my harvest. And that's what my harvest is like. It's just there. It's ready. And, and, and it's, it's a labor that's sweet and delightful. And, and it's something that happens. And I'm inviting you to be a part of that harvest. I'm inviting you to come in and, and take my word to the people around you, to those who don't know me, so that they can experience me, so that I, I can bring life into them. I can give them abundance of life, so that I can move people away from steal, kill, and destroy to life in abundance, to meaning, to being sweetly broken. Not maliciously crushed. You see, it's about praying that God will send out laborers into the harvest field and then listening as He tells us the harvest that He has for us. The harvest that He has for you. 
the ways that He wants to use you to reach people around you. It's about coming in and praying for people specifically on a regular day-in and day-out basis by name. Us, for us, uh, as we met in our deacon meeting this week, our leadership meeting, we committed that, the, that there were people that we would pray for daily as a team, that we would pray that they would come to know Christ as we come in because we see, you know what? There's a harvest, and God is wanting a harvest. And you know what? As we pray, and we pray for people to come to know Christ, you know what? That's the heart of God. And when our hearts and the hearts of God are in alignment, great things happen. Great things happen. That's the, that's the hope of the gospel. You see, prayer is about us participating in the kingdom of God. It's about us coming and being a part of what He's doing. It's about us appealing to Him on behalf of what Jesus has done for us. And it's knowing that we have a mission to make Jesus known. That's, that's what it is. And, and that, that we'll all understand that mission. That we'll all understand why we're coming. And, and that all we need to know is that God is inviting us to participate. Through our prayers, through kind words, through actions, through kind deeds, through sharing the gospel, the good news of Christ. And, and we can also participate in returning to God. We can participate in drawing people back to God through prayer and through bringing spiritual renewal in our own nation. Instead of looking at everything and thinking, man, you know, I just I hope the election goes this way or that way or whatever. Look, it doesn't make any difference. Spiritually, it's not going to make any difference in our country. Whoever's in Washington, they don't determine our spiritual barometer. Jesus does. Now, I'm not saying it's not important to vote or anything like that or that there won't be ramifications of it. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that it's the people of God. It's the people of God the community of faith coming to God on their face before Him, seeking His power, they'll make a difference. We can vote from now till the cows come home, and we won't change a thing. If we pray, we can change all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's, that's just the bottom line. Truth. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, uh, God said this. He said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, he says, he said, look, I want my people. I want my people. I want those who claim the name of Christ to humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from the things of this world to the things of the kingdom of God. And when they do, I'm going to hear from heaven. I'm going to hear from heaven. This is a promise of God. I mean, it's not pie in the sky, sweet by and by stuff. This is a promise from God. He said, when my people, when the church, when we get on our faces before God, and we pour our hearts out before Him, and we allow Him to reveal our hearts to us in prayer, and we build that relationship through prayer, and allow him to change us, he says, you know what? It's going to sweep the nation. It's going to sweep the nation. It, it will make change. And that's the promise of God. You see, prayer is amazing power and potential to change us and change our world. It has that power and it has that potential. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think we buy it. 
You know, notice I said we collectively. And I think as we look at prayer, we, we need to understand that we have to engage in prayers if everything depends upon it. Everything. And that will be a game changer. That'll be a game changer. It'll be a game changer in our hearts. It'll be a game changer in our families. It'll be a game changer with our children. It'll be a game changer with our youth. It'll be a game changer in our community. It'll change our schools. It'll change everything. It'll change it all. That's, that's, that's what God is saying. Have you ever thought about your prayers changing the world? I mean, have you ever thought that your prayers can change not, not just your circumstances, but they can change the world? I mean, they're not just going to give you money to pay the bills this month. They're going to change your heart and the heart of people around you. I mean, this is what God is, is, crying, is, is trying to do within our lives. You see, as, as we come in and we look and, and we go through the, the valleys of life, there are things that God wants to do. And, and he calls us to this time of prayer, and there are things that we can pray about. So I want to encourage you, you know, are there people that you pray for on a regular basis? How about the ones that annoy you the most? That, that God will move in their lives. How about the people around us who hurt the most? How about Dale and Sherry? 17-year-old son took his life Wednesday. I mean, they went in the valley. They'll never, they'll never not see again. That valley will always be there. You don't ever leave that valley. You can talk to a parent 40 years later, and they'll say, you know what? You don't ever get over it. Never leaves. And you know, I just can't help but think of sweetly broken or maliciously crushed. I mean, <laughs> what a thing. What a thing. And prayer, and by the way, I've lost count of these things. I've lost count. I mean, I literally have lost count. That's how bad this is. It's not nice. This isn't an isolated event. This is a scourge. It's a scourge from the pit of hell. That's a lie. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And for us, if we want to make a difference, we're going to make a difference on our face. I mean, it's just hands down. That's where we're going to make a difference. We're going to make a difference in prayer because prayer is, is where God hears us and, and God works. He's calling us to that. And he's calling us to walk alongside people and to encourage them. And don't feel like you can't send them a text message or an email or a call and just say, hey, I'm praying for you. 
Because I promise you, that will be some of the strongest things that, that, that go on this week. But ultimately, we'll come in here on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock and give an answer. And the answer is honestly pretty simple. It's Jesus. But other than that, I can't answer any questions. I really don't. I, I, I mean, I, and I'm always at a loss for words. But I do believe this. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. When God invites us into prayer, he invites us into changing our world. There's nothing else you're invited into that'll do that. Nothing. So as we come and we look and we see, you know, I, I think there's some things that we need to pray about. I think we need to pray for the people around us who don't know Jesus. I think we need to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters who are hurting. I think we need to pray for the ones who feel distant and apart. And they're hearing the things like, you don't belong, you don't fit, you're not like them, you're not this. And all those are lies. And we need to know that they'll hear the voice of Jesus and not the voice of the enemy. And we need to pray that God makes this a place where people come alive. And our worship is real. And our prayers are real. And they, they, we're praising God before we see him act. Just like they, they were at, at the time of Jehoshaphat. And many other things. Because you know what? God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. No matter where you've been, no matter what's happened, no matter what your circumstances are, there is a God in heaven who loves you. There is a God who became a man. He took your sin and shame on himself on a cross so that you could have his righteousness. So that you could be cleansed and made whole, redeemed and restored. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope that God offers to us today. And that's what he is inviting us into is that we'll pray to be a part of that. Let's pray. Father, we praise you today because you are absolutely beyond our imagination. A God who came down into the middle of all of our brokenness and all of our mess and restored us. You didn't make us get good enough, but instead you met us right where we are. And Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we pray for each person in our church family that every day would be reminded of just how precious we are in your sight. That just how much we're loved and how much potential that we have in you. Father, help us to know and to understand who we are. And Father, we pray that as a church, that we be a body that's committed to pray, committed to pray for those around us, committed to pray for people to come to know you, 
and committed to pray that you'd change our world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this morning, I, I invite you to pray. I mean, if you want to come down and pray, come down and pray. You want to examine yourself and just say, you know what, God, today, tell me what my prayer life looks like. Tell me, how, how's my relationship with you? When, when I just weigh it in the scales of prayer, is, is it strong or weak? And, and what, what, does, what, what do you want to do today in my life? Because you see, when, when we allow God to lay everything naked and bare before Him, here's the promise He has. The promise He has is that He will sweetly draw us to Him. That He will sweetly break us. That He will change us. You know, there will be heartache and, and pain, but what He says is, is when it's over with, it's like that surgeon who goes in and removes that thing that's destroying your life and sews you back up again. The scar's there but the evil's gone. And he heals us and makes us whole again. That's what God wants to do in, in all of our lives. So, so I want to I encourage you to examine. And, and look, where, where's your prayer life? Where's your time with God? How does it look? And what does he want to do in that? Would you stand as Greg leads us?
Um, I have a couple of things to mention before we close. If, uh, if you're working with kids in our church and you have not filled out a background check, you've got to do that because we can't let anybody work with kids in our church who hasn't done the annual background check. So we always do that. That's, that's good news for those of you who have kids in there right now um, to know that. But, um, but anyway, you can get those. They're on the connect wall in the basket. And if you just fill one out today and put it in the, one of the collection boxes, they're locked. You can drop it in there. We'll get all that taken care of tomorrow. So I want to ask you to, uh, to do that. And then um, also, if, if you, you know, like to take a meal to the back to it, um, if you'll contact Sherry, she'll give you information. There's, I think, eight people that are there and they're, um, that they're at her parents' house. But um, you can do that, and um, that would be greatly appreciated. And uh, we're going to close now in a word of prayer. And I want to ask if uh, Jim Hamilton would close, please. Tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., I'll be kicking off a brand new Ladies Life group here at the church. We will be starting a study on embracing our identity in Christ. Child care and coffee will be available. Child care is $5 and drop-off is waiting for you. Our church is hosting a fall trunk or treat on Saturday, October 31st from 5 to 8. Please sign up at the Connect Wall to volunteer to decorate your trunk and pass out candy. We will also need volunteers to help park and serve free hot chocolate and coffee inside. And now here are Roy and Amy Phillips with some in-program, Immersed.